I'm Maddie Moat and this is Discover the Wall from English Heritage, exploring Hadrian's Wall. I feel like I've got to grips with the basics of Hadrian's Wall, why it was built and who built it, but I guess the question now is how? How was it built in the first place? Nowadays, we've got diggers and dumper trucks and forklifts to do all of that heavy lifting for us. But how on earth do you get stone arranged as a wall way back when? But also, where does all of that stone come from? And as my mission to find out all there is to know about Hadrian's Wall continues, I'm getting my boots on for a walk towards Bird Oswald Roman Fort with Andrew, who's a historian with English Heritage. Andrew, what sort of things can we expect to see here? I've heard that it's it's a it's a pretty unique site. Well, yeah, Bird Oswald is a great place to come and get to understand that the wall was much more than just a wall, because not only can you see the wall itself, but you can see the other elements that all went together in order to create this impressive military installation. As I discovered in the first episode, Hadrian's Wall was so much more than a wall, and Andrew told me more. You've also got a fort, but Oswald Fort itself. In front of the wall there would have been a very deep, a deep and imposing ditch. Uh, behind the wall there's this mysterious earthwork known as a vallum. A vallum? What's that? Well, it's uh, basically a big ditch surrounded okay. by two very large mounds. Um, and this seemed to be, uh, it's difficult. We don't know exactly what it was for, but this marked out the southern boundary of what would have been a military zone. Okay. And then the, the other um, military installations on, on Hadrian's Wall, we're walking uh, towards um, a fortlet. A fortlet? A fortlet. I'm going to guess that that's a baby fort. It's kind, yes, that's a pretty decent description, <laughs> actually. Sometimes they're called mile castles because they are um, uh, built every Roman mile along the wall. And this would have housed a, a small unit of soldiers whose job it would have been to protect the gateways um, through the wall uh, where where people could have crossed. So this is so interesting. It's not just a wall. We've got all sorts of different buildings. You mentioned bridges, arches, forts and fortlets. That's an awful lot of building to happen. And was all of this made from stone? Predominantly stone was used, but actually uh, from the River Irthing, just, just next to, uh, to Bird Oswald to the west, initially the building was all done out of turf. OK, so just mounds of grass. Yeah, they're grass and earth, but you basically use them as if you would use bricks. And it, because that was a, a readily available resource, the Romans um, used this to build the wall in this sector. And then later they came along um, and they redid it in stone to make it a bit more permanent. Looking at just a small section makes you realise what a marvel of engineering Hadrian's Wall was, and still is. But how long did it take to build? We're not entirely sure, uh, because there's a, there's a, it's quite difficult to calculate and be absolutely sure. But it would have taken at least four years. At least four years? At least years. four years, and probably a lot longer uh, in order to finish it properly. So maybe up to ten years. And they're still adjusting it um, when Hadrian dies in, in AD 138. So well, almost think, 20 years. But you say ten years at, at you know maximum. I think it's so impressive to build something mm. of this scale in ten years alone, using nothing but manpower. 
is very impressive. And also, you've just got a huge quantity of stone to move and arrange in that time. The Roman army are very good at this, okay? <laughs> and if they wanted to get something done, they would get it done. Okay. They were experts. So they're expert engineers, they're expert uh, stonemasons, they were good at laying stones, they were good at transporting it, finding resources. And there were quite a lot of them. They had 15,000 soldiers in Britain um, to call upon, probably not all of them working at the same time, but you've got thousands and thousands of men who are highly motivated in order to get this done. And where was the stone coming from when they were using it? Well, the, it's coming from all along the line of the wall. The Romans aren't going to import it from long distances because that's not very efficient. So even when you drive the wall today, you can see uh, in the landscape quarries where the Romans would have taken the stone and then brought it up to the wall. I tell you what, let's get a bit closer to the wall now. We're just walking down into... <laughs> so we are close enough to the wall now that I can touch it. It's very well put together. Did they have tools at the time to be able to help them with something like this? Yeah, they had... Uh... Not tools, okay, aside from sort of mach heavy machinery, mm -hmm. they had tools which are not too dissimilar to, to, to tools they would have had in the medieval or the, the modern period. They would have had your sort of, yeah, your hammers and your axes and your picks and things like that. But actually, so not much has changed, really. Not a huge amount now. has changed. We do a lot of things by machine now, but, yeah. but Roman tools are very similar to tools that have been used, um, so in, say, in medieval England. And the Romans would have been trained to use them. Does the wall tell us anything about the type of people that built it? Yes, to a certain extent. I mean, it tells us a little bit about the soldiers, definitely, and their, their, their units, because one of the, the nice things that we have as historians that we can look at um, to tell us about the, the legionaries was that every time they completed a short section of the wall, yeah. they inscribed a stone, so they sort of literally cut uh, lettering into the stone, telling us who, which particular cohort had built that section of wall sort of like an, for administrative purposes so they could say to their their officer look we've done this little bit well, thank you that's... Romans that's incredibly useful for us now then. <laughs> so it tells us who it was who you know we can say that the century of so-and-so was was cutting this particular stone and they completed this section of wall but there are other more mysterious symbols uh, elsewhere like Roman graffiti sort of yeah some of it's authorized some of it is is sort of a bit more like graffiti yeah should we see if we can find some let's do it it's really amazing to think that after about 1,900 years, you can still get up close with Hadrian's Wall. Third Oswald Roman Fort is the best place to see the longest continuous stretch of the wall today. And when you visit, don't miss the turret and mile castle too. The sun is shining down on the, on the wall now. It's creating a really lovely little cosy warm spot. Oh, a couple of people, a couple of other ramblers stood by it, which suggests that we might have found something. No. Andrew, what am I looking at? You're looking at an atomically correct apotropaic symbol. What Andrew means by that, we're looking at, we're looking at a penis. <laughs> we're looking at a willy. Why on earth would we have... I mean, it's, it's quite detailed. It's, it's, it's quite, very detailed, yes. Why would we have a carving of a phallus here? 
Well, it's <laughs> an interesting question. It's not just here. We find them right across Hadrian's Wall. Okay. But partic- what? Yeah, right multiple. across. Multiple? Multiple, definitely, yeah. Often on important uh, places like at bridges or in uh, the headquarters buildings of, of forts. But for some reason, um, there are quite a few in this short section of wall. So this isn't the soldiers having a bit of a giggle? Don't think so, no. This it's is... quite serious. And what, what, do you, what was the importance of it? It's intended to avert the attention of any evil spirits that might be in the vicinity. So it's good to know that there are no evil spirits lurking. Back inside the museum, I'm speaking to Francis, who's a curator with English Heritage. In the Roman times, if I was looking out over Bird Oswald, what would I have seen? You would have seen a very different picture to what we have now. There'd be no grass, you wouldn't be able to see that in the middle of the fort. It'd be full of buildings. Um, which would have, you know, high roofs, and then all the gateways would have arches. I know it would have taken so much manpower to have got these incredibly heavy stones to this site in the first place, but actually creating an archway, that's complicated. It is, and that shows how good their understanding was of kind of the geometry of building an arch. So you have the base stones all the way up, and then the last one, which is the keystone, and the keystone here in the museum is used, is lifted using the crane, but they would have used the crane probably for some of the other stones as well. So the Romans would have had cranes? That's right, so the one in our museum is a really nice example. Um, it helped lift the heavy stones, and in an arch, if you've got the geometry right and the maths right, once you put the keystone in, you'd need nothing else to fasten it on because the force would hold it all together. To help get to grips with what it was like building in Roman times, there's a model pulley system meaning I can have a go at building my own arch. Got to remember that it's the stone in the middle, the keystone that goes in last, that is, that is key to making an arch. So I'm just going to try and give it a go. Build my own Roman archway. Just attaching the pulley to the keystone. And this is the stone that will go in very last of my archway. That's it lifted up. And all I need to do is pop it in the middle of the arches on the left and right. And once that keystone is in, everything should stay in place. Fingers crossed. Okay, well, it all fell down, but, you know, we can try again. (laughs) So I would have been pretty rubbish building Hadrian's Wall. (laughs) Thankfully, many Roman soldiers were a lot better than me. But what about things beyond the wall at Bird Oswald Roman Fort? Well, it's different all along the wall, but the bit at Bird Oswald where it's, you know, head height is some of the um, highest bits and also the longest stretch that's um, visible. Um, and then you, as you go along from Bird Oswald along to Housestead, you see, again, some really spectacular sections. But unfortunately, a lot of the stone was taken from the wall to build houses. <laughs> OK, so that's where it's all gone. That's <laughs> where it's all gone to build houses and um, new bridges because... It's ready-cut stone, so it probably seemed quite sensible to the residents at the time. So does that explain why the wall is different heights? Exactly. In the next episode of Discover the Wall, what's it like being a Roman soldier? Most of the fort is taken up with barracks, and this is where the soldiers live. Mm. So we've got some 800 soldiers living at, at Housesteads. They're split into units of about 80. And I go inside the officers' houses. This is a this is a mansion. I know it even I, has its own stables. I cannot believe that you had homes of this grandeur that were built in these remote places along the wall. There are so many amazing things to see and do along Hadrian's Wall. 
if you want to discover them for yourself, just search English Heritage online and check out what's happening at Corbridge Roman Town, Chester's Roman Fort and Museum, Halstead's Roman Fort and Bird Oswald Roman Fort.